The mountains hold all sorts of mysteries. Sometimes they're skimwalking creatures, other times it's massive giants that you didn't know existed, and sometimes the spookiest things can be human beings. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into these creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Three Sisters Mountains Horror by Jackson Everything has a place, and things out of this world do exist. You can ask anyone I know, and they would say that I'm crazy. Nobody is like me, and if a bear is average, why isn't it a skimwalker? I mean, they are just living things. What is so weird about that? Anyway, let's get to it. This took place a few years ago, so a little bit of background about me and my dad. We absolutely loved to find places to go hike. We would go anywhere and everywhere. We live in Alberta, so there are a lot of possibilities here in terms of hiking. This one time we were out, and we were near the Three Sisters Mountains, a famous landmark in Alberta. A little bit into this hike, we were in a pretty bustling area. Walking was very hard, and there were many bushes, but we would find that that would be the least of our worries. After stepping out of the bushes, the sun burned in our faces, blinding us very quickly. I looked down after being blinded. I thought I was dreaming or something because I saw the outline of a giant elk staring directly at us. But when the light disappeared, I, I wasn't dreaming. There was actually an elk-like creature right in front of us. I can't shake off the thought of how it was looking at us though. Its eyes were wide, too wide, and it almost had a crocodilian-like pupil. It just stared at us. After a few seconds, it started to smile. And it was doing all of this without blinking. That's what freaked me out the most, honestly. I saw teeth. Little sharp, nubby teeth. I just... I just kept staring ahead. And the mouth started to open. I, I had no idea. But I was wrong. The teeth weren't nubby. The teeth were much longer. They kept getting longer as the mouth opened. The eyes didn't try to blink at all. And none of this made any sense. We turned around and we bolted. I looked back and it was still standing there, looking in the same spot like a statue. I swear I never set foot back in those mountains again. I still love to hike, but I am more hesitant as the days go on. I don't know how to explain this any further, but there's something weird going on in the Three Sisters Mountains. Do Not Hike the Rocky Mountains by Jonah P. I laced up my running shoes, ready to embark on my usual morning jog through the serene trails of the Rocky Mountains. The air was crisp and cool, the sun was beginning to glow warmly over the majestic peaks. It was the perfect setting for a peaceful run, and I relished these trails' solitude. As I set off, 
my feet rhythmically pounding the ground, creating a soothing cadence that blended harmoniously with the symphony of nature. The scent of pine trees wafted through the air, mingling with the earthy aroma of fallen leaves, creating a sensory tapestry that engulfed me. I followed the well-worn path, my body attuned to the steady rhythm of my breath. Each stride propelled me forward, deeper into the heart of the wilderness. I reveled in the beauty of my surroundings, the towering trees, and the occasional glimpse of the wildlife that ventured near. But as I continued my run, something caught my attention. A flicker of movement at the edge of my vision. Curiosity sparked within me, overriding the steady rhythm of my run. It seemed out of place, something beyond the usual sight and sounds of the wilderness. Intrigued, I veered off the trail, venturing toward the source of the disturbance. With each step, a sense of unease gnawed at my gut, but I couldn't resist the urge to investigate. The undergrowth grew denser as I forged my way forward, the sun's rays now struggling to penetrate the thick canopy above. My heart pounded in my chest, a mix of exhilaration and trepidation coursing through my veins. Finally, I emerged into a small clearing, bathed in an eerie dim light. The air was heavy with a strange metallic tang, and the silence hung oppressively around me. And there, in the center of the clearing, I discovered something that sent a shiver down my spine. It was a circle of weathered and ancient stones arranged with meticulous precision. The rocks seemed to emanate a magical energy pulsating within some sort of unknown force. A chill swept through the clearing, rustling the leaves and causing a hair-raising tickle on my neck. But that wasn't the most chilling aspect of this discovery. As I studied the circle more closely, I noticed something horrific. In the center was a torn and bloodied piece of fabric, a scrap from a running outfit like mine. My heart skipped a beat as I realized this was no ordinary clearing or stone arrangement. It was a sinister shrine, a place of malice and despair. A thousand questions flooded my mind. Who had been here before me? Whose blood stained that torn fabric? My fear, mingled with my curiosity, urged me to flee and escape this place as quick as possible. But I couldn't tear my gaze away. It held me captive like a deer caught in the headlights of an oncoming car. As I stood there, frozen in terror, the stillness of the clearing shattered. A low, guttural growl emanated from the shadows, causing my blood to absolutely run cold. The ground beneath me trembled, and an unearthly figure emerged from the forest depths. It was a creature, hulking and grotesque, with jagged fangs protruding from its twisted maw. Its eyes burned with a hostile fire and fixated on me with an invisible, insatiable hunger. The creature's putrid stench filled the air, overwhelming my senses. Instinct kicked in and I turned to flee, my legs carrying me as fast as they could. The creature gave chase, its heavy footsteps closing in on me. Panic coursed through my veins, urging me to push harder and escape this nightmare's clutches. I could feel the creature's hot breath on the back of my neck, its growls growling louder, closer, Adrenaline surged through my body, granting me a speed I didn't even know was humanly possible. I raced through the dense forest, desperately seeking sanctuary. 
Finally, I burst back into the main trail, my lungs burning and my legs trembling with exhaustion. I glanced over my shoulder, half expecting to see the creature to be right behind me. But the course was empty, devoid of any supernatural presence. I stumbled back to civilization, my mind reeling from the horrors I had witnessed, or at least what I thought I had witnessed. I knew I had escaped a fate worse than death, but the memory of that creature in haunted clearing would forever haunt my memories. From that day forward, I vowed to stick to the well-trodden trails to avoid venturing off the beaten path. The Rocky Mountains held their secrets, secrets that were best left undisturbed, and as I continued my runs, I couldn't shake the feeling that that creature still lurked somewhere within those ancient woods, patiently, waiting for its next victim. A Not-So-Fun Birthday Surprise by Anonymous For my girlfriend's birthday, I took her to Gatlinburg, a popular, touristy, one-main boardwalk town in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. We camped the first night, a few miles out in the woods at a popular location called Elkmont Campground. The campground was beautiful, tall green trees, like baby redwoods, a clear water river scattered by checkered rocks, families with little ones running around. Through borrowing a tent, we found that we had no stakes and headed into town for supplies, whiskey, and hot dogs. It was dusk by the time we made it back to the campground. Most campers were surrounding their dissipating fires or cleaning up before the quickly approaching dark of night fell over us. Our tent was still not entirely set up, but rather crunched up without the stakes allowing it to spread open as widely as it could. We fixed our tent and started a fire. As our night progressed, we found ourselves surrounding our campfire two to three hours later around midnight. Now, this was the sort of campground where another campsite is just 30 yards from yours. Bears frequent the area, and my girlfriend was already freaking out a little bit, which is why I booked our site in the dead center of the whole campground. All the other campers had gone to bed at this time, and the only sound we could hear was the slowing crackle of our fire and the light stream of river flowing into rocks. The clouds were covering a crescent moon, so there wasn't too much light to begin with. We had flashlights, and I would occasionally shine the light around us while avoiding hitting other campers to confirm that there was nobody around us or no bears. Seemingly out of nowhere, from the campsite behind my girlfriend and to my left, a light shone directly on us, and then all around in a frantic, yet focused manner, kind of like the Eye of Sauron from The Lord of the Rings. What appeared to be a man, with the strangest gait I have ever seen, wore a headlight and was focused on his picnic table. The man's gait seemed to be like that of Jar Jar Binks, just not normal. Through a peripheral stare of my own, the man focused his light on the picnic table, and whenever I turned my head toward him, immediately his light would be hitting my girlfriend and me. It's like he was looking straight at us from his peripheral as well. I could only see the outline of the man through the light of his headlight, and the occasional flash of my light at his campsite, once he continued to flash his light at ours in a very disconcerting way. This was the campsite across from us where we saw no one all night prior. I could only see the outline of his body, 
as all black was as if he was in a black bodysuit. His movements were eerily repetitious. For what went on close to an hour, this man would shine his headlight on his picnic table, make limited motions with his hands, if any at all, then walk five steps back to his tent, shine his headlight at his tent, walk back to the table, shine his light at us, then all over again. If this was just a man looking for something, he was on a cocktail of drugs, that's for sure. Once his light was on us for too long, that made me start to feel uncomfortable. I shined my flashlight on him for an extended time. It was at this moment when I went from annoyed to fight or flight. A chill ran down my back and I saw the outline of the man disappear in front of me. The light from his headlight bounced down to the ground and then flew across the ground from his campsite and seemed to jump along the ground into the bushes diagonal from our campsite. Not as if the headlight had been thrown, but as if he was running across the ground in all fours. I took my flashlight away and watched his light slowly come back out of the bushes and climb back up into the height of a person. The shadow figure returned, walking out of the bushes and back to the campsite to continue through the odd behavior. There were no sounds at all coming from this figure through the entirety of the night. Sometime later, we went into the tent for shut-eye, and the shadow figure was still in his odd routine. The following day, the tent from the shadow man's campsite was gone, like no one was ever there. I found out just a mile from the campsite, in a small town called Elkmont Ghost Town, with abandoned buildings and cemeteries and everything, that a lot of tragic stuff happened there. I don't know if I could really connect them together, but maybe, maybe there's something to it. My Solo Hiking Horror Story by Anonymous So this story is not one of the ones that involve a near-death experience, but to this day, I still cannot explain what I saw. For context, I'm a 6-foot-tall, 150-pound male in my early 20s who is an avid outdoor enthusiast. I've been hiking and backpacking for well over a decade, and I enjoy rock climbing and mountaineering. I spent about 7 years in search and rescue, and have some stories from my experience, but nothing creepy or unexplainable from my time there. Anyways, I've spent a fair amount of time outdoors, and over the past year had taken up solo hiking and backpacking. Normally I would try to go with some friends, but I honestly enjoyed the solitude and self-reliance that I often neglected even asking my friends to go, unless I absolutely needed more people. On a rainy November day, I decided to go hiking up to Green Mountain Lookout in the Cascade Mountain Range of Washington State. I intended on spending the night there in the old fire lookout. I checked the map, and the trailhead is rather remote by Washington standards, and it involved something like 26 miles of driving on a partially paved old forest service road. I drive up the road, and I'm surprised to see just one other vehicle there. To call it a parking lot would be an overstatement. It was just a wide spot on the road that could fit maybe six vehicles in total. The road meandered past the parking area around a curve and out of sight. While it was a weekend, the weather was rather foul, and above 5,000 feet, the rain would be turning to snow, so I was not expecting to see other people. I park and open my door and start getting my pack ready. 
There is a light drizzle already and I notice how quiet the woods are. Normally, there's a fair amount of ambient noise if you listen to it in any forest. The only noise I could hear was the water dripping off the leaves and trees. I chalked it up to being late fall and most of the birds had migrated to warmer climates. The bugs were probably hiding due to the rain, and it was daytime and the other animals would be seeking shelter from the elements and sleeping from a night of foraging. I start hiking, and I'm enjoying the gradual uphill climb of the trail. Now, because of my time in search and rescue, I enjoy tracking. Anytime I'm on a trail, I usually face the ground and like to track other hikers, animals, and keep my skills sharp. I notice that there are two sets of trails of running shoes, one larger and one smaller. After the first mile or so, the trail leaves the confines of the dug fir and western henlock forest to open up to these lush green alpine meadows. In the summer, the alpine meadows bloom and you can see verdant green Indian hellebore, yellow asters, red columbines, white glacier lilies, bright blue lupin, and orange Indian paintbrush. In the late fall though, these meadows are just green with the dying brown stalks of these once beautiful plants. Right at the interface of the alpine meadows to the forest, I meet the two other hikers, a man and a woman coming down. As is customary for hiking on the west coast, you swap trail condition information. I give the hikers a once over and notice they both have trail runners on. They tell me it gets snowy up past the first section of alpine meadows and that it started snowing around 3 a.m., but that they had had the trail to themselves today. No bear sightings, which was pretty nice and made sense because there are no mountain blueberries in November. We wish each other well and I continue walking. The trail opens to a beautiful valley, flanked by alpine meadows, forest, slide adler, and other mountains. When the view is clear, you can see the north face of the glacier peak to the south. The trail switchbacks up the alpine meadows and through a few patches of trees. I hike up another mile and a half or so before I reach the snow level. It is the first snow of the season, and the snow level was about 5,000 feet, just as predicted. I continue hiking a bit before I notice more tracks in the fresh snow. There are two sets. One set is a track of an exceptionally large dog, like maybe a Mastiff or a Bernese Mountain Dog, given the size, and the second set is a pair of morale hiking boots. I think if I had to guess they were around size 15 or larger. Normally I would not care about these tracks, but some things did not add up. First, there was only one other vehicle in the parking lot. Second, I had not noticed these tracks before in the mud, and surely I would have noticed them. And there's no way I could have confused them with the other hikers' tracks. Thirdly, why did these prints just pop up in the snow halfway up the trail? I know that there are no trails on the backside of Green Mountain that intersect with the trail that I'm on, as it is a rather remote one. It could be a hunter, but that would be unlikely given the difficult access to this point in the trail, and the fact that the two hikers I encountered said that they were alone. All this is giving me a weird feeling. At this point, I'm reminded that the forest is still eerily quiet. There are strange tracks that should not be here. It is snowing, wet, cold, and I could not actually stay overnight in the old lookout because it is locked. The aura of the area just feels ominous. I listen to my gut instinct and decide to go back to my car. So I turn back, I hike down about one mile, and I am on the last of the switchbacks before the trail re-enters the forest when something catches my eye, and I stop. 
I'm looking down an alpine meadow enjoying my view when I spot something about a thousand vertical feet away from me, less than a kilometer away from my location. I squint and see a pure white shape in the meadow. As I'm looking at this white shape, my mind is trying to fathom what the shape could be. My initial thought is that it was one of those 2010 Winter Olympics Inukshuk statues which resembles a man. All I could see is the head and shoulders part, as the rest would be obscured by the underbrush of the alpine meadow. This thing was standing on a 40 degree slope. The more I stare at this thing, the more confused I become. I rationalize that it cannot be snow on a tree or something like that, because that was the first snow of the season and that was only 2,000 vertical feet, and the snow was all the way up at 5,000 feet. I guess it could be a sun-bleached and thus white tree stump, but this is unlikely as the area has not been logged before, and this spot was in an alpine meadow, not the forest. It really stuck out to me, given the size of this thing at that distance. It would have to be an ancient stump to be that large. My guess is that it would have had to been about 10 feet tall to be that large from this distance. I shuffle in my pocket to put on my gloves, and when I look back, it appears that this thing has moved ever so slightly. On the head, I can make out two black spots where I should be, and a black slit where a mouth would probably be. I freak out because in a minute, I was watching this thing, it had not moved, and the five seconds I look away, it seems to look forward at me. I feel chills run down my shoulders and back. What the hell is this thing? It is a half mile away from me at this point. I am still well over a mile from my car. It feels like I am now being watched intensely, and I feel an uneasy sense of dread building in my stomach. Now, as there are black bears in the cascades, I always carry bear spray with me. My only other weapon is my pocket knife, which is deep in my backpack. I unholster the bear spray and slowly make my way down the trail. At this point, I am really wishing that I had brought my 357 Magnum, but it weighs 6 pounds and I just cannot justify bringing that sometimes. At this point, I feel like a fool for neglecting that crucial essential. Before I reach the forest, I keep my body facing the area this thing is in. Once I reach the forest, I am reminded just how silent it is. The forest started out quiet. Now it was silent. No wind, and just the occasional drip of rainwater. It feels like there is an apex predator in the forest, and it is not me. I still feel watched. At this point, my nerves are starting to get the better of me, and I pick up my pace and jog downhill to the car. I was cognizant that you should never run from a predator, as it will trigger its instinct to run down prey. I felt like prey, and I did not like it but I rationalized that I maybe had a 10 minute lead on this thing, assuming it moves as fast as a person. I start running as silently as I can down the trail, constantly looking over my shoulder while trying to keep my eyes on the ground to not trip over the wet roots. I never heard any sounds of pursuit from this thing, but I was scared and in full fight or flight mode. I was flying out of this place as fast as I could. After a long 15 minutes, I finally reach my car and it is the only one in the parking area. I throw my backpack into my Subaru and jump into the driver's seat and peel out. I have been stalked by mountain lions, hiked through bear country, and been shot around by hunters on one occasion. But none of my previous experiences can compare to the soul-crushing dread I was feeling once that thing turned to look at me. I went hiking back up to Green Mountain Lookout the following summer. 
I went to the same spot that I saw that thing, and while the underbrush of the pine meadow was higher, there was absolutely no white shape in that area. While I could have just brushed off the feeling of dread as my own paranoia at the quiet forest and weird dog and human prints in the snow, I cannot rationalize how that white shape was there one day and gone eight months later. That one small disparity is what gives me chills to this day. Always check your surroundings by Eric. Hey Swamp Dweller, I never thought I'd be telling one of my stories to YouTube. I truly feel that this story, as well as others I'm willing to share, will be right at home here in the swamp. My name is Eric. My most recent unusual encounter happened in the summer of 2020. I took a solo hiking and camping trip with my dog in the California Sierras, about 30 miles southwest of Donner Lake. Nina is a four-year-old 65-pound German Shepherd Pitbull mix with an attitude. I'm a 33-year-old man standing six foot tall and 175 pounds. I am a genuinely nice person most of the time, but I did grow up in a tough environment and therefore take physical fitness and self-defense very seriously. I am also no stranger to the supernatural. I was a follower of scientism until I witnessed something, a story for a different time, when I was 12 years old. Since then, I knew there was more out there. My mother and I live in the same county, so I asked her just to drop me off at the exit of the 80 freeway not too far from Gold Run. I found the path I was going to start out and started hiking. Within 30 minutes of walking, I saw maybe three or five people normal family type kind of stuff, you know, nothing crazy. But then, I saw someone that was out of place. To say the least, it was odd. It was a large, shirtless man, wearing shorts, boots, and a gas mask. He was in his mid to late 30s if I had to guess, and had prison tattoos and a shaved head. He was walking normally, and said something to me along the lines of, nice dog. At least, I think that's what it was. It was really hard to hear him behind a gas mask, as you can imagine. At the time, I only brought my bear spray and my fixed K-bar knife with a 7-inch blade for protection. I did not feel threatened, but was watching him closely as well as my dog because she can read situations like a pro and is super protective over me. As we walked past each other, I just nodded and smiled. I do not think this had anything to do with what happened later when it got dark the same night but it was just such an unusual thing to witness, I thought it would be worth mentioning. Another thing about me is that I almost never hike on trails. Sometimes at the beginning of a journey, I will start an actual path, but I pretty much always stray off the path in pursuit of exploring places visited less by humans. I have gotten about 10 ticks on different occasions, and a bunch of other uncomfortable and itchy pests and plants, but I just like to be away from people and do my own thing. I had a rough go on this hike. It was hot and very steep terrain. I pushed myself and my dog a bit too far. After I had been hiking for about four hours, I stopped to set up a shelter for the night because I knew it was going to be getting dark in about two hours. As I was setting up my tarp and paracord shelter, I noticed my dog appeared to not want to move very much, which is very much out of character for her. I figured something was wrong and sure enough two of her paws got cut up bad. She was bleeding. 
I think it was from the sharp rocks, but I am not too sure. Either way, I had to figure out what to do. After a few seconds, I knew I should ask my mom to pick us up that night. That meant to hike all the way back to where I started. My legs were sore from carrying my backpack weighing about 30 pounds with my tarp and sleeping bag, food, and water, and of course other survival stuff. But I love my dog more than pretty much anything, or anyone, so it had to be done. I knew her feet would be much sore the following morning, and I did not want to do that to her. On the way back, I was pushing her too hard once again. The sun was going down, and I was only about halfway back when my legs began to cramp up periodically. Very bad. Soon, after the cramps were getting to the point where my legs were just giving out, I knew I had to rest them for the night. Now, it is dark. I found a clearing that was not flat but not terribly steep either. For shelter, I just put my tarp on the ground in between two trees. I was far too fatigued to be picky. Everything in the area was dry, way too dry for a fire even if I had the energy to make one, and there were dead leaves everywhere around me. It was still warm. I am an exceptionally light sleeper as well. Any unusual or out of place sound will have me awake and alert in an instant. On this night, I had trouble getting into a deep sleep, so I was semi-conscious with my dog right up against me. My dog and I were resting peacefully. No wind, no leaves crunching or anything. Suddenly, I'm being ambushed by a predator. Something big and fast. It seemed to just appear from nowhere and began running full speed at me from about 12 feet away. Too fast, too aggressive, I could feel its bloodlust for me. I could feel that I was the target. Me and my dog were immediately on guard at the same time. I popped up to a sitting position with my knife in my hand. My dog charged this thing with all her might before her lease reached its limit. It got about five feet away from us and stopped suddenly and just vanished. Again, no leaves crunching or anything. It simply did not make any noise. It does not make any sense how it can move without making any noise. Thankfully, I always keep Nina on her leash, looped in my belt when I am sleeping in the wild, because I know she will chase animals into the forest even if I command her not to. This creature was after me in my weakened and apparently vulnerable state. I never could see what it was. It was too dark and it happened so fast. But dogs have good night vision at close distances. I know Nina saw that thing because of the rest of the night, she had her arms on my chest protecting me, with her head on a swivel at the very slightest noise. I have never seen her so concerned before, ever. I have no doubt in my mind that this being was some sort of cryptid or powerful supernatural entity. No known animal can appear and disappear suddenly without making a single noise. I have been stalked by mountain lions on three occasions, and even they make a noticeable amount of noise when creeping up in that sort of environment. Thanks for listening. I have more encounters to share, and will send them your way once I get them written down. Until then, evil feeds on fear, so in the face of darkness, you must become the light. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to slap up that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that helps the swamp grow. We're very close to 300,000 subscribers, and that would be an awesome milestone to hit by the end of the summer. So if you haven't already, be sure to join us, hit that like button, and turn on notifications to not miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day. 
on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. You can also submit your stories on Reddit via r slash thedarkswamp. Thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do. If you made it all the way to the end, definitely let me know what story was your favorite tonight. Helps me pick better stories in the future. And if you made it all the way to the end, today's code word is purple sea lion. Be sure to comment that down below to confuse anybody who funniest comment per usual will be pinned at the top. I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.